Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Good evening and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center Gospel Bible Chat Room. I'm Pastor Ruth Gardner and we're here tonight continuing our book study series on the book by Alexander Bergani, The Secrets to Generational Curses. So we're going to open up in prayer and we're going to go ahead and continue with our lessons. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to come together once again for your class. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to uh, study more on your word on tonight. On tonight, we ask that you would give us all clarity of thought, clarity of speech. Father, I pray that you would download fresh revelation into us on tonight. Father, whatever you have to say, Lord, speak it, whatever you want us to know, and print it on the tables of our heart. We are open and ready to receive on tonight. We ask that you bless it. The teacher on tonight, give her clarity of thought and give her strength in her body. In the name of Jesus, we bind on tiredness. In the name of Jesus, have your way on tonight. We bless those and pray a special blessing on those who are listening to the playback. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 So we had um, started the first half of chapter five which is um, algorithms and the evolution of curses. And um, it's basic, basically the um, algorithm is like a prediction of, of how things would be based on previous performances or previous data it's kind of like a predictor an algorithm so um how it works with curses is that based on something of a past if it's like a familiar uh attribute of of a person and it kind of carries down through the bloodline it's it's like a guarantee that it is something that future generations are going to um, pick up or do or model after. Um, another term that he talked about was evolution, which um, is defined as, um, wait a minute, I just lost it. Change in the gene pod, a gene pool of a population from generation to generation by such processes as mutation like it adapts or mutates based on from generation to generation the same thing it just adapts and mutates to the scenario or mutates to the environment almost like um something that adapts to the changing in a, of an environment it mutates it changes the gene pool of it so that it can survive in different um conditions or different environments like almost like a, a retrovirus like how a virus um mutates um like a retrovirus what it basically does it changes its dna to survive it mutates and that's pretty much what evolution is kind of like um you know we all of us had school we've been in school have heard of the darwin theory about the evolution of man how he his theory was saying that we were we came from monkeys and we evolved to be standing men but we all know that's false but that was like his evolution is like it, it took a picture of a, of a chimpanzee to a monkey to an ape and then it grew you know and then it turned into like a two 
two-legged standing man. And there's a, there's a famous picture that um, that is displayed, I think it's in museums and in some books, you can find it, notebooks, where you see the evolution as Darwin theory of evolution. Um, and that's pretty much what it, a good example of what evolution is, like you adapt, you change based on your gene pool and the environment that's around you. And um, so the first part of this chapter was talking about how curses um, can come through what is called an algorithm, a, a system that collects data and determines the move that probably going to make the base, you know, make based on that information. And then you had the average cases, best case scenario and worst cases. Best cases are the, the enemy considers the best cases that the probability of you committing that sin or, or falling under that curse is great. So that's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is that is very not probable. It's highly unlikely that you would. Um, and so the devil's been using algorithms the whole time, watching us, taking data, looking at us, taking intel, information, watching us, watching our moves, just, just spying on us, you know, just watching us and taking down information and finding out what makes us tick, what makes us mad, what makes us happy, what makes us sad. And he collects all this data and what he does is he evolves the situation. I know we used to say, um, how we, what's the saying we say? Um, same devil, different operandi. Like it's the same thing, but it just comes in. Oh, you ever see the movie? You ever see the movie The Devil's Advocate with Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves? And it was how the enemy with the devil was trying to get Keanu Reeves to be the to to become to make the son of the devil, whatever it's kind of way it was kind of weird. It was called a devil's advocate. But what happened was throughout this whole movie. The enemy was doing certain things and allowing certain things to come into his life that caused him to, to ultimately um, kind of be his son. But at the end, he did not, he didn't fall for it. So the movie you thought had ended because, you know, because of what he did, but it started all over again. So it's like he, he was coming at him a different way. Instead of coming at him one way, he came back at, you know, the, the Keanu Reeves a different way. And that's how the enemy does. He, he comes one way. And when you resist, he'll go back. He'll take the information. He'll write down the information, you know, take the intel, study it. And then he'll evolve and try to create an algorithm based on your previous actions or your previous responses okay i didn't get her this way but i noticed that if i did this she would do that so let me evolve the sin and bring it back this way because the probability would be it'd be a best case scenario if i present it this way because the probability of her falling or the probability of her committing the sin is great if if the if this scenario or the environment is fixed to this way. Am I making sense? Absolutely. So that's what he does. He he comes, you know, it always says that the enemy goes away for a season and he comes back, but he comes back, you know, um, oh, how we, what's the, it was like different scenario, same devil, something we used to say. I can't remember the phrase we used to say. Um, different something, but the same devil. It may, Are you talking about different levels, different devils? No. No, but it was the same devil, not different levels, different devils. That's not it. But it was like, Oh, can't remember it. Never mind. It was something like to the sense of like the same sin, same sin, different scenario. That's it. 
It was the same sin, but a different scenario. So that's it. It was the same sin, but it's a different scenario. So it's the same sin, but he comes and presents it in a different way. That's where the evolution comes in. And, you know, the probability of the sin is the best case, but he'll evolve and change the scenario, but it'll be the same underlying sin. Hey, Francis. It'll be the same underlying sin, but it'll be a different scenario as to how he comes and presents it. Okay, so that's pretty much what the um, recap was. So now we're moving on and we're talking about, now I tapped in this a little bit at the end because I was getting excited teaching the lesson and we talked about King David and the heavenly bank account and how King David saved up the money and all the stuff that he needed to build the temple. But because God said that he was a man of war and his hands were unclean, he didn't want him to build the temple. But he told, excuse me, but he told him that his son, he's giving his son the permission to build the temple. And in um, the book, uh, let's see, on chapter, on page 102, in 1 Chronicles 29, one to three i'm going to read it he said then king david turned to his entire assembly and said my son solomon whom god has chosen as the next king of israel is still young and inexperienced the work ahead of him is enormous for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals it is for the lord god himself using every resource at my command i have gathered as much as i could for building the temple of my god now there is enough gold silver bronze iron and wood as well as great quantities of onyx other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I'm giving all my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I have already collected for his holy temple. So David set Solomon up so that he would be wanting nothing. He would be lack. He will not be lacking anything. So he provided him with everything that he needed to build the temple. And also he gave him an inheritance on top of that. So Solomon was definitely wise in his dealings on how to handle it because some people, and he was young. So, you know, some young people don't know how to handle money. They'll squander it. But Solomon put it to good use. He built a temple and not only did he build a temple, but he had extra <laughs> And then because of his wisdom and the, the, um, and the uh, things that he did, God even blessed him even more. So um, that opens the conversation to that, you know, we can, we can lay up treasures for our families, for our next generation. Um, people who... Um, work for the Lord, people who um, serve the Lord and they serve them with zeal and, and they're, they're, they're passionate and they're going all out. There is like a, 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 a depository or a bank account in heaven that stores up all the things that all the good deeds that you've done and you can leave an inheritance. Um, there's a scripture that, um, that says about laying up your treasures in heaven um, Matthew 6, 20 and 21, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So when you have a strong desire to serve God, you have a strong desire to live for God, you have a strong desire to, to be on the Lord's side, it's, it's, it's making a deposit and, and, um, heaven there's an old song that we used to sing called sending up my timber sending up my timber every day like you're sending up your timber you're um storing up your your treasures in heaven everything that you do here on earth every good deed that you do here on earth causes a deposit in heaven in your heavenly bank account and um and what the author is saying is that that is a true thing because of what 
the Bible says concerning um, about storing up your treasures. It's not talking about money because, you know, you can't take money with you. But the things that you do, the deeds that you do, you know how you get a crown with, with stones in it. Um, you can get a crown, you can get crowned with precious stones in it. It talks about, you know, receiving a crown once you get into heaven. And that's part of the sending up of timber or doing the things here on earth, laying up your treasures in heaven. Amen. So basically, you living holy is not just for you. It's for your family. It's for your generations to come. You ever notice that when people who are living righteous, living holy, their, their children prosper as well. They don't have it too hard. They may have a rough spot. They may not be too, you know, they may not be like rich or have all this, but their lives are not as hard knocks as someone who does not know the Lord or someone who is not living for God. And if you see some people, you know, they may have money, they may be rich, they may be very wealthy, and they may leave big inheritance and big money for their children, but their spiritual walk is not there and they're not happy. You know, there's still a void, you know, and that's where they turn to certain um, extracurricular activities and start, you know, drinking and drugs and all these things because they're trying to find, they're trying to fill that missing void that only there's a place in our hearts that only God can fill. And we find that even though they may have all this money, they may be living in a, in a penthouse and all this stuff like that, they're still not happy. There's still something missing in their lives as opposed to someone who is living for the Lord and, um, yeah, we may not live, leave you an inheritance. We may not uh, have everything uh, to pass down, but because of the fact that we're living for the Lord, he has a special, um, there's a special covering or a special blessing that falls upon you. You know, um, and actually talks about the promise that the promise is for us and for our children and our children's children. It talks about that promise. That's the promise of eternal life. Um, provided that you follow the same pattern, follow that you follow the same road as your parents are paving for you. You stay on that road of, of, of holiness is a guarantee that you will also receive the promise of eternal life and that, you know, God will cover you. God will protect you. Things that the enemy tried to set out traps and snares, you won't fall privy to them because of God and his angels and camp around about you. So that, so Living for God, parents living a holy life can pass on blessings to their children. Um, that's where he talks about, um, you know, I go hard for the Lord because I want to make sure that my, my family receive the benefits of the blessings. Um, on page 105, top of the page 105, it says, just know that what you do in this life is being stored up in heaven for the next generation to make a withdrawal. That is to make a decision right now to seek the Lord so zealously that your future generations will receive the benefits. So by me running after the Lord, chasing after God, wholeheartedly, desperately seeking the Lord and, you know, following after him will benefit you, Joya and Shamin, so that you can withdraw off of that. Make sense? Yes, it does. Yes. Okay. So, um, and so with that, right, living holy, living right, serving God, being sold out, being committed to God, 
there's benefits with that that can flow over to your generations. On the flip side, living in sin can do the same thing. Um, so, so if someone who house, okay, let me see it all. This revelation can also be seen when someone lives in sin. Their storehouses in heaven are filled with violence, rebellion, and witchcraft. Sadly, we can expect to see much calamity in such families. So when they're living in sin, you know, you hear about, you know, kids getting, going into gangs and gang violence, and young people getting shot, people getting killed and, you know, gangs and, you know, you hear about sons beating up their, their parents or rebelling against their parents or, you know, the father and the son getting an altercation. And next thing you know, the, the father don't kill the son or the son don't kill the father, you know, violence and all that rebellion and witchcraft, all that stuff is what's stored in their storehouses. And, and that's the withdrawals that, that the generations are going to be, um, taking or receiving when they make a withdrawal they're going to withdraw violence and rebellion so um anyone has anything they want to say or john or joya or shamine is anything that you read that i'm missing that you also want to point out before we move on No, I don't have anything. Okay. Nor do I. Okay, cool. We good? Are we enjoying this so far? Yes. Yes. Francis, that's such a pretty picture of you. I'm hoping at this point you're beginning to see from a legal perspective and how the courtroom of heaven plays a vital role in everyday lives. Jesus emphasized this and his model prayer, when he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, implying that this kingdom constitution must be obeyed and enforced, which leads to the next thing we want to discuss, namely the laws, regulations, and stipulations of the kingdom and the penalties for not obeying. I underline this. We can't obey a command we don't know exists. And we won't obey that command if we aren't aware of the penalties and consequences for not obeying. As I mentioned in the start of this chapter, there are different degrees of sin and some may initiate a generational curse while others may not. Okay, so now this is getting into some, some good stuff here. Now, for I'm going to basically be reading almost everything because everything that he says on this part, in this part is very vital. So um, take a listen. So sin, sins are not all the same, okay? It's widely preached, taught, and accepted that all sin carries the same penalty, but this is not a true biblical model. You know, we always used to say the phrase, sin is sin. There's no big sin and no little sin. There is. There are different degrees of sin. Um, so that was something that really, like, I said, oh. So I have never, ever, I have ever, mm, I have ever read regarding this. Not all sin leads to hell and not all sins lead to eternal condemnation nor initiates a generational curse. If you look closely at the following verse, it is clearly, it clearly says that not all sin leads to death defined as eternal separation from the presence of God. That's what death is defined as eternal separation from God. That means you are never ever reconnected to God. Okay, and this is 1 John 5, 16 and 17, King James Version. It says, if any man sees his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. 
Here's an example to help you better understand this verse. Okay. I have, if I have an argument with my wife, though it's a sin, it is not producing a generational curse. But if I commit adultery against her, it will produce a curse. Consequence will depend on the severity of the sin. The apostle John knew this and stressed it in his epistle. There is a progression of sin. The courtroom of heaven has categorized this progression progression by the sins below. Okay, so we're going to go into different levels of degrees of sin. So you can commit a sin that does not cause death, so to speak, eternal separation. It also does not cause um, a generational curse, something that will affect me and my bloodline. Okay, so the first level is violation, where it's unintentional, a breach, infringement, or transgression as a as of a law, rule, promise, etc. Desecration, profanation. So this is like you know a simple violation. Okay. Um, but violations can open the door to different levels, deeper levels, or worse levels. That's that makes sense batter levels <laughs> of sin. The act of violating implies unintentional wrongdoing. That means the sins of omission. You know, the ones that we realized we, we, don't, we didn't know that we were doing and it wasn't intentional. It's like, oops, you know, I didn't, I didn't know it was a sin. Um, you know, I didn't know it was a sin. So um, that's a violation. And when this happens, like in the Old Testament time, he talks about how when it's a violation was done, it was like, you know, you didn't have to go make a blood sacrifice. You just kind of had a small animal sacrifice or you or you brought in some money, you know, like shekels or whatever, whatever monetary uh, exchange it was at the time. That's what you did. It was a violation. OK. Um, also, now, when we do it with us now because we don't do all the other stuff with the animals and stuff like that if we commit a violation our, we're, we're convicted that's that conviction like when you do something wrong a violation it's a conviction of the heart you know your holy ghost will convict you and he also encourages us never to do it again that's 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 the that's the first level it's a violation you you know spirit you get convicted by the holy spirit and you know you go okay god you repent okay you don't do that no more. All right. So if it continues, then it can lead to sin, from violation to sin. Sin is missing the mark, falling short. This is unintentional disobedience expressed through our sinful nature, passed down to us through the fall of mankind. There's no way of escaping to the glorification of our human bodies. So when we come into sin, when a believer crosses the threshold of violation and enters the realm of sin, things begin on a totally different nature. Sin is wrong. Though not malicious at times, it's still wrong and it displeases, and it displeases the Lord. Okay, the book of James says that sin, the result of our sinful nature inherited from Adam, is in direct opposition to God. Our flesh tempts us to sin. And without resistance, we fall into it. That's where we do things because we desire it. Our flesh wants it. And, you know, so we act on it. That is where it says, in this flesh dwell of no good thing. It's, it's just, um, it's, uh, it's our nature because of Adam's fall. Okay. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entices us and drags us away. These desires are birthed to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it grows birth to death. So it can start to um, gain momentum and increase. Like that snowball, like you see going down a hill, it starts off small. And as it continues to roll, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. This is where the levels start to, you know, the sin starts to take on levels. And it starts to get worse and worse. This is the degrees of sin. 
Okay, you guys with me? Yeah, we're here. I'm just going to assume you are. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> so Paul talks about chapters, you know, Romans 7, things I wish I do, uh, things that I don't want to do. I find myself doing the things I want to do. I don't do, you know, that's that, that's that battle that he was explaining about, about being tempted and trying to resist the temptation. But yet we find ourselves doing that thing. That's that simple nature that came from the fall of Adam. Okay, that's in us. It's not coming from the devil. It's just that is a well, the temptation's coming from the enemy, but that that desire, that fleshly desire to just go for it is is because of the fall of Adam. Okay. So when you so which is it? Okay. Paul explains a bit more in detail about the sinful nature when he says, What I desire to do, I don't what I hate, I find myself doing, which in essence means that our sinful nature is already bent on fulfilling its own evil desire with or without our permission. That's what I'm talking about. We just want it because it's in our, it's, it's in us. It's our sinful nature. And it's because of the fall of Adam. Now, when it gets a little, when we get further down into the degrees and that's where we open ourselves up to demonization where it's just we lose who we are and it it kind of takes over and it like really really opens doors doors that's the the degrees and you'll see where when we're going to go down this road here just when we go further down so when you move beyond the sin level to transgression now you're treading on dangerous territory, okay? So now transgression, the Hebrew word means pasha, means to rebel, transgress, revolts. It implies a breach of trust. This is the willful and intentional disobedience that a person chooses even after, even after being given a way of escape. They choose to breach that trust to intentionally disobey to willfully trespass. That means you want to do it. You know it's wrong. You know it's sin, but you don't care. And that is where you're treading on dangerous territory because you know it's wrong. You know what the word says, but you don't care. You willfully and intentionally, it's not like, oops, I, I made a mistake of, Oops, I slipped. No, you, you're doing it. You're doing it because you want to do it. Okay. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27 says, Dear friends, if we willfully continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation, expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. When you get to this point, it's like, you can't, there's no sacrifice that's going to cover it. There's no sacrifice. You can't burn an animal up and throw them on a the grill. It ain't going to cover it. It's you, because you did it willfully. You know, sacrificing, sinning, burning, burnt sacrifice, blood sacrifice. Yeah, unintentional. I didn't mean it. I didn't know. You know, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Repent. You know, but if you're doing it willfully and you know it's a sin, God, I say, like, okay, I'm about to turn you over. That's where you start to turn that where you get turned over to a reprobated mind. The scripture is clear when a person begins to commit transgression or live in an open transgression, it's usually the result of willful disobedience and will always produce judgment. So when you're in this place, know that judgment is coming. Judgment is coming for your actions. Okay. Actually, the verse says you can't expect this judgment. At this level, transgression has the potential to initiate a generational curse and lead to iniquity all right iniquity is a premeditated choice with no regard for consequences or repentance 
resulting in the modifying of the genetics nature of the persons giving themselves over to such sins. So now, once you step into iniquity, you just like, I'm in it to win it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I ain't repenting. I'm just, my genetic nature, you start to change. Your genetic nature begins to change and it begins to evolve to that sin. That DNA starts to take effect in you. And you get to the point where you're calling right, wrong, and wrong, right. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do, I'm going to do me. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to be who I want to be. And I don't care. If you engage in unrepented transgression for a long period of time, it becomes iniquity. At this level, the person's nature changes. And they start to embody and become this particular transition, transgression to the point where it's second nature. Iniquity has the power to alter one's DNA and cause a person to become the sin that dominates them. Um, Second Thessalonians, we can see this in Second Thessalonians where Paul says the Antichrist will be called the mystery of iniquity, meaning he will be the living embodiment of the devil, literally Satan walking among us. John 8, 8 and 44 says, you are the father of the devil and the desires of your father you want to do, carry his nature and DNA. You want to be just like your daddy. My God. When you hit this level, it is is no turning back. You you you's all in it. He's all in it, which is crazy. During the time of Christ, the Israelites had a hard time receiving his ministry, not because it was difficult to discern, but because they had lived for so long in rebellion to God's law that their very nature had embraced that of the devil. So Jesus called them out on it. So he wasn't saying that, that he wasn't using it as a metaphor. He was actually identifying them as who they were because of this. It wasn't a metaphor. And then he, um, the author says, throughout my years of ministry, I've met persons and families so steeped in sin and iniquity that there is little to no room for any gospel presentation. At this point, a generational curse has begun and many times such families die in sin and end up spending an eternity away from God. This is where they are separated. It, it's, it's too, it's, there's no coming back from this because they just in straight rebellion, they know it's wrong. They know it's sin, but they don't care. So they are in straight rebellion. So ain't no, there's no help for that. There's no help. Which leads to abomination. That which is loathed or detested and therefore utterly offensive to God, to the Lord. The fifth level of sin is the most loathed by God and only produces a generational curse 100% of the time. It is here where a person doesn't care and commits acts that even God himself find detestable. Various sins are considered abominations. Such sins are hated by God and about them he will never change his mind. What's interesting is that many of these sins are things modern civilization takes pride in committing the most. Here are some examples of the sin that scriptures condemn. Scripture condemns not man, not us. Scripture, God, God himself condemns. Not us, not man. First one, homosexuality. Bestiality. Bestiality, those who don't know, is that having um, uh, intimate relationship with animals. Abortion. And incest. These these four are considered abomination in scripture. And Leviticus 18 and 26 says, 
Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. Before we close out this chapter, move into degrees of disobedience, the topic of the next chapter, let me state categorically that all abominations produce curses. This is sobering stuff, and anyone who enters this level of sin is playing with fire. So anybody that's doing any of these things is an abomination, and it's guaranteed 100%. Of, that you are you have produced a curse a generational curse Woo! he's getting ready to go deep we going deep y'all we going deep for the mature this is for the mature only <laughs> this is for the mature only so this part right here those of you you guys got the book I would say go back and read it, you know, familiarize yourself with it. I mean, it's all these, it's, it's, whew. this is serious. This is serious. You know, and a lot of people, you know, are walking around thinking that it's okay. Thinking that this lifestyle is, you know, this is this lifestyle and this is my truth. And, you know, they use this little phrases, you know, this is how I was born this way and this, that, and the other, but um, no, it's not. It's just a trick of the enemy. It's the trick of the devil. And um, yeah, he's just playing with your mind. He's playing with your mind. So um, anybody have any questions? Nope, I don't have any questions. Anybody have any comments? No, I actually, I, I really started liking it when he started breaking down the different levels and things like that. Yeah. He broke those levels down, didn't he? I'm trying to see here. So we're going to go on. And... I think you're trying to look for ne the next thing. Yeah. It looks like it's about 15, 16 pages. I think a good stopping point is if we stop at where it says the root of Jesse on page 127. So read like, everything up to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. So we'll read 113 to 126, top of 127. Yeah. And we'll stop at the root of Jesse. Yeah, so yeah, so this, um, this lesson really, really, he just, he just helped he nailed it on the head. He stepped on toes and just went for it. Um, so, and you know, it's still not too late. Ouch. All you have, even with Judas, Judas, Judas could have been forgiven for betraying Jesus if he had just repented. Mm -hmm. But if we allow pride to step in, pride afraid you know don't what people are going to think if you confess how are people going to react how are people going to respond you know um it shouldn't matter how people respond because you know my thing is this I, I didn't care when i got myself together and how they were talking about me and saying that i was going to go back out there and fall back into the drug thing and I was like I don't care they can say whatever they want my thing is this they're not they're not the final decider they don't make the final decision with my life so they can say whatever they want to say because at the end of the day I'm doing this for me I'm not doing it for anybody else my soul is at stake so if they want to sit here and say I'm once a drug addict always a drug addict you know she just you know just say real she ain't serious about God and this that and the other I didn't care because I heard it, you know, they said it, but you know what? The most important thing was that I wanted to be right. And it didn't matter what people thought. And we have to come to that point in our walk in our lives that it doesn't matter what people think is what I know is what is what's important to me. And what was important to me is that I did not, I did not want to burn in hell. 
I did not want to die a premature age. I did not want to be found somewhere in a gutter, overdosed, heart busted open, you know, from, from smoking too much crack. I, did, I didn't want that. I had two girls, you know, at the time. And, and, and I had, you know, I had responsibility. I take care of my kids. I had to get myself together. I had kids for heaven's sakes. So, you know, I didn't care what people thought. Still don't. I don't, even now, I don't, I don't care. You know, I, I'm, I'm finding myself, you know, in God and all that matters is what he thinks and how he feels. And that's where we have to be. You know, people going to say things, people going to talk. They talked about Jesus. My God, they killed him. <laughs> they killed him, you know? So, I mean, whatever, you know, so. And it's not too late. It's not too late to make a change. It's not too late. You know, if you if you're in all out rebellion and you real all it takes is just that one conviction of the Holy Spirit, that one little conviction saying, you know what, this isn't right. This isn't right. This is wrong. This isn't right. I need to change. I need to get myself together. So all it takes to be of a sincere heart, God will come in and deliver. But if you just you you cool with it. Just know this is where you're heading. Just know the consequences of it. You know? So, I pray that it blesses somebody. Somebody over here. Whoever listens to the playback, whoever follows us and gets on here later on, even later down years from now, this, this, these lessons are still available and they're still out there. Um, and this in social media, wherever, I pray that it it hits somebody's heart, that somebody's heart is pricked, that's living that life, that that's fallen into abomination. You know, it's not man who's who's categorizing and defining this. It is God. It is His Holy Word that's categorizing and defining these things. What is sin? What is iniquity? What's a violation? What's what's an abomination? You know, this is not us defining this is what god has written in his word concerning the degrees and levels of sin so that there's no big sin or little sin yes there is and we were wrong by saying that all sin is sin no it's not it's not and i'm finding that out he made it plain as clear as a nose on my face it is not sin all sin is not the same there are abominations, there are violations, there are iniquities. Okay. Look, look, look at and, and look at look at the book. Look how he broke it down. There's different degrees of sin. Some are repentable. Then there's some where you you're gone. Your DNA is changing. You you allowed it to become a part of you. You allowed it to become you. Amen. 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 So anyone have any questions or anyone have any comments to add to before we end tonight's lesson? No, but I do have to say that I, you know, appreciate the fact that uh, Alexander Bugani is bold in some of his things regardless of this political climate that we're in right now because of the fact that you know even in this thing that he said were an abomination he stuck with the word the word says it's an abomination regardless of how people feel right people want to, to define and identify correct um, I don't know if you guys been listening to those things I've been posting about this is named C. Abner the young black guy. I've been posting him in the morning on the, it's called the group, the Ecclesia, the Ecclesia group. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he said um, was about, we live in a society where people are, are living based on what they identify themselves as. And they want it to be acceptable. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that they identify themselves as, you know, they want it to be acceptable. 
and but he was saying how the bible was saying differently and it was a good uh good i think it's like a 30 minute or 20 minute it keep it pops up on my on my thing in the mornings and sometimes i listen to it as i drive into work and i posted a couple of them but this last one i posted was very very good um about identifying who you are and in god and and you know just how you know society wants us whatever it is that they identify themselves as they want us society to accept that so if they identify themselves as something different than what god created them to be you know it's like they're trying to change and he's talking about god is love and yeah you got that was a good one he talked about about the love of god and how god his word is love god is the word and his word is love so you can't differentiate the two but his name is um I think it's C. Abner something. It's on there. It's a, it's a young black man. And um, if you go on the group, you'll see them. But anyway, um, Pagani, yes, he is being very flat-footed and confrontational. That's what he do. He's flat-footed and he's confrontational. And he is sticking to what the scripture says. He's not coming up with his own that's that's why i like the fact that you know i kept reiterating that this is not man this is not what man is saying this is what the scripture is saying this is what god is saying you know as far as you know there's no big sin or little sin there is there really is amen so pastor john you can go ahead and dismiss us on tonight if everybody's Hearts and minds are clear. Everybody's good. We're going to go ahead and dismiss. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord God, for bringing us together, God, one more time, God, to learn of you, to speak of you, God. And God, we pray, God, through, throughout this book, as we continue through this book, if there is anything that we find ourselves in, God, Lord God, I pray that, uh, God, that you would just send a spirit of repentance into the place mm -hmm. in the name of Jesus. If there's somebody that logs in online, I don't care at what point in time, I don't care if it's a year from now, two years from now, if there's somebody that's listening to the podcast, we pray, God, if it is something that reaches them, Lord God, that it, that they shall find themselves in a place of repentance and turn from their sins, that they may be saved. And God, we thank you, God, for everything that you are teaching us, God, teaching us the, the, the roots of generational curses, God, and teaching us about deliverance, God, that we may be free from the enemy in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you, God. And we just pray that you continue to lead us and guide us into righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.